what he noted in, from this chapter in the book of Acts was he saw the Holy Spirit directing ordinary, everyday believers, seeing even persecution as opportunity to go and proclaim the greatness of the God who saves. That's spontaneous expansion. It requires a responsiveness to seeing the Spirit's guidance. Church, I mean, that's what I've got to ask us about us here at OCBC. Are we a responsive church? Are we a responsive people? Do you see when you lose a job or when you've been looking for a while and you can't find it, do you see when you have to move because you can't pay the rent in one place and you move into a new place, do we see as God is moving us through and among all the different church rental places in Westboro and now into Old West, are we seeing this not just as chance and coincidence, but God's providence hand, provident hand behind us, giving us opportunity to go to a new place, to go to a new people, to go to a new workplace, to go to a new school, and to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ. The spontaneous expansion of the church only happens when regular everyday believers see that in front of them. And that's the next point, and I've already kind of spilled the beans. This is regular believers spreading the word of God. This was not the, the, the apostles, it makes great point to, to, to describe for us, it is not the apostles that were spearheading this mission into Samaria. They had been left behind in Jerusalem, and I don't understand this at all. As a historian, I wouldn't understand this. As a historian, you would think that the persecution would have been directed at the apostles, and so that they would have been the ones first to leave. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Perhaps we've already seen in the book of Acts that Maybe they've given up. Maybe the authorities have given up because they've already told the apostles to stop preaching. It hasn't worked, right? So for some reason, the apostles are staying in Jerusalem while this command, these, these, the, the regular believers, those who are scattered, uh, go and they plant the church through Judea and Samaria. This is the spontaneous expansion when regular believers see every, every, every circumstance in front of them as opportunities to spread the word of God. That's not to say that the Jerusalem church and the apostles in the Jerusalem church didn't do things to support the spontaneous expansion, and, and we do see that they do. So actually, I'm going to talk about four things of, of, of ways in which the leaders, the apostles, supported this spontaneous expansion of the people. So this is, this is us. Listen, revival will come and will only come to Ottawa when it's all of us who name the name of Jesus Christ, believing in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel to change, transform lives, and to save. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When each one of us understands, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And therefore, we all fearlessly go into our schools, our businesses, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. That, that's when you will see movement here in Ottawa. And it will not happen apart from believers being bold and empowered by the Spirit to go out and witness. But we as the church can do some things to support you as you do that. And that's what we see the apostles and the Jerusalem church doing as they're supporting this spontaneous expansion into, Jerusalem, into Samaria. So four things. First, the, 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 the Jerusalem church, the apostles, they had equipped the next generation leaders. You see uh, in this... In, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it says, and those who were scattered about because of the persecution went about preaching the word. But Acts chapter four, 8, verse 5, emphasizes the ministry of Philip. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. 
We saw already last chapter, we saw the ministry of Stephen. And where do we know these guys from? We know these guys from Acts chapter 6. Right? We know these guys from when there was, there was this, this issue that was arising in the Jerusalem church, and, and some half of the church felt that they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of bread. And so they, they said, well, choose for yourself seven men full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we will, we will raise them up and we will give them this ministry, this deaconing. And we will devote ourselves to the deaconing of the word. But you see that these guys, they weren't, they weren't just raised up to, to wait on tables. These guys were being prepped as the next generation leaders. Because you see in Acts chapter 7, you see Stephen, one of these seven, going out and preaching in Jerusalem and getting killed. You see now in Acts chapter 8, you see Philip. And you see Philip now being scattered about by the persecution. But Philip, Philip is this next generation. And he goes out and he proclaims, he's a Hellenist, and he goes and proclaims to the Samaritans. And so we see that the Jerusalem church had, had, by the Holy Spirit's leading, been preparing these next generation leaders for the ongoing expansion of the church. In fact, going back to that illustration about Kazakhstan, that was the crazy part about that, that, that church in Kazakhstan. They saw that they had, there was a mega church in, I, I don't know what the main city in Kazakhstan is called anymore. If any of your geography is better than mine, call it Kazakh city, I don't know. Right? So... There's a main city in Kazakhstan, and there's a big church in Kazakhstan, and they had raised up a bunch of leaders. They'd raised up a bunch of guys to be pastors of churches, but they didn't have any churches. Because in Kazakhstan, there was, there was um, there's a law that, that was established that uh, you could not, as a, as a pastor, you couldn't just go to a village and plant a church. You had to actually, in order to be a pastor, you had to be called by a church to go to live in that village. So what this Korean church in Canada did was they go, went and found all the Koreans, right? And they preached the gospel and they started gathering as, as, as Christians. And they would go as a short-term missionary trip for like two weeks. And they would have a church ready. Well, now that you got a church ready, now you can call a pastor. So this mega church already had been raising up leaders, right? And so when this church out in the village said, hey, now we got a church, we need a pastor, they'd say, all right, government, now he can go. And he could go. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit was doing this. And that's kind of what, that's what happening in Jerusalem church. They were raising up these guys, Philip and, and Stephen. And so Stephen and Philip, or Philip here, Stephen, sorry. Uh, Philip <laughs> goes out into Samaria. And we see now in Acts chapter 7, 8, and 9, we see the ministry of these next generation leaders. They, secondly, they affirmed the faith of the believers and gathered them into the church. Acts chapter 8, verse 14, look here. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. So here's the cool part. There's just, imagine this is in Ottawa. Imagine you're in your workplace or you're in your school, all right? And you're there and you just, oh, okay, I see this opportunity. I'm here now to go and to, to, to proclaim, to start a Bible study, start a prayer group. And people are interested and they're coming to Christ. And then what's happening is that we can then as a church go and help and to support and to affirm what you are doing. Right? And that's what happens in Jerusalem. The apostles in Jerusalem hear that God is doing a work in Samaria. And so they go and they send Peter and John to them to go and to affirm the faith of the believers and to gather them into the church. What happens here? This is a weird thing that doesn't happen anywhere else in the book of Acts. They have received, they've believed in the Lord Jesus. They've received baptism in the Lord Jesus, but they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. That's an interesting thing because later, when the, when, the, when the gospel goes to the Gentiles, 
The Holy Spirit just falls upon the Gentiles, and it's in the Holy Spirit falling upon the Gentiles that Peter says, oh, now I see, yes, you're welcome to become part of the church too, and so they baptize them after. At that point, there's no laying out of hands, there's no, there's just, he sees the Spirit fall and says, all right, you're part of the church here. What's going on in the book of Acts is you have the gospel, as we've kind of said, hopefully ad absurdum, I've, 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 I've emphasized it quite a bit, what you have in this chapters of the, of, of the book of Acts is the gospel going to a new people group. And when the gospel goes to the new people group in the book of Acts, there's always an apostle present who, who, who basically says, yes, we see what the Holy Spirit is doing among you, and yes, you're included into this church as well. Because if you think about it, like right now, we live in a point in time in history where it's, duh, everybody's part of the church. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're part of the church, right? But if you think about it back then, with all the divisions and the religious divisions and the ethnic divisions among the people, these were controversial issues. Who is going to be part of us? The Samaritans before this had their own place of worship apart from Jerusalem. Their worship and the Jewish people's worship even though they were related to each other, there was huge division. Remember when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman? She said to him, our fathers say we should worship God on Mount Gorazim. Your fathers say we should worship God in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, woman, the time is coming and is now. God is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Neither on this mountain or that mountain will you worship me. Right? So Jesus is, is doing something new here. And as the gospel goes into Samaria, the, the, the church and the apostles are overseeing and, and affirming and seeing, yes, they also, these Samaritans who you've been separated and severed from, now these Samaritans are also going to be part of the body of Christ. So they're affirming and they're confirming and they're bringing in and gathering into the church so that, so that what is happening in Jerusalem, the same thing now is happening in Samaritan. The, the, the church in Jerusalem that was devoted to the apostle teaching, the prayer, and to the fellowship is now also going to be happening here. You are gathered together in one spirit, in one body, in one baptism. So they go and they affirm what is going on here. But third, they do something else. The apostles do one other thing as they go, and that is this. And here's always, I, I can hear some of you maybe already thinking in your head, going, if we just let the Holy Spirit guide this thing, if we just let all of you guys go out and start proclaiming the gospel, if we just let all of you guys, every single one of you, going into your workplaces and schools and neighborhoods and friendship groups, if we just let you guys go out and say, and so all you guys, you guys are commissioned to go and to make disciples. Someone might say, well, what about the false teachers? What about when false teachers arise in our midst? What if one of you guys who's sitting here goes, all right, sweet. I'm going to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go with the, you know, with the encouragement of OCBC, and I'm going to go and I'm going to teach weird stuff. All right, so the apostles in the Jerusalem church, actually they go down, they go to Samaria, and they, that, that's the whole point of the story with this guy named Simon. Right, this guy named Simon, he was a magician, a sorcerer. He did tricks. And he sees the power, and Stephen is preaching. And he says, man, I, that, that looks like a good trick. That looks pretty good. And the question that we often have about Simon the sorcerer is, was he really genuinely saved or not? 
I want to I tell you that that's not the concern of the text. The concern of the text isn't whether he was genuinely saved or not. The concern in the text is, does he have a partnership in this ministry with us? So what happens is Simon is baptized. It says he believes and is baptized. And then he sees the apostles come laying on hands in the Holy Spirit. And, and he says, that's a neat trick. I'd like to be able to do that one too. So he goes to Peter and says, tell me, tell me how you're doing that. I'd, I'd like to do that as well. Can you, can you give me that power so that I can do that as well? And, and here, here's some money. And Peter says, may your silver and gold perish with you. Because you sought, thought, you sought to buy the work of God. And, and Peter says to him, he says, uh, you have neither, uh, look at here, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Verse 21 is really important. You have neither part nor lot in this, and in the Greek it just says in this, in the, in the ESV it says in this matter, I think, to be honest, I think it's probably best, you have neither part nor lot in this ministry. You have neither part or lot in this ministry, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that you might be forgiven. And what's going on here is the apostles are overseeing this spontaneous expansion of the church. The the, the, the regular everyday believers are going out proclaiming the Lord and they're going and they're seeing converts being raised up. The, the, the Dru in Jerusalem, the apostles, they were raising up leaders and sending them out. They were, they were going and affirming and confirming when, when converts were coming in. They were saying, yes, let's, let's, let's come in and be gathered as part of the church, as part of the body. But they are also keeping their eyes out for wolves. They're keeping their eyes out for false teaching. They're keeping their eyes out for false teachers. They're keeping their eyes out for people who would go and proclaim the gospel with motives, with, with insincere motives, who would be trying to build up names and ministries from themselves. And Peter says, you have neither part nor lot in this, in this ministry. Now this guy Simon is well known in the ancient world. In fact, one of the church fathers calls this guy Simon the father of all heresies. Uh, a lot, he is in church tradition and in, in church history. This guy Simon becomes a false teacher and starts spreading Gnostic, lies of Gnosticism. If you know what Gnosticism is, you understand what that is. If you don't know what Gnosticism is, all I have to say is it was false teachings that infected the church for the next couple hundred years. And, and they trace it back to this guy. So even in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is saying, This guy does not have part with us. Is he saved? Is he a heretic? I don't know about that. What I do know is he does not have part in this ministry. And so there's lines being delineated in the spontaneous expansion of the church so that the purity of the church is preserved. So that's what the, that's what the apostles are doing as they're sending out. That's this story about Simon going on. So what does that mean? What is our strategy in sending you guys out and being part of the spontaneous expansion of the church. I want to say a couple things to us as OCBC uh, that I see coming out from this text, and, and that is that our church planting strategy, I mean, we're, we're looking at moving into a new building and trying to think about what happens if we grow. Hopefully we would, but what would happen? I don't, I don't want to build another building after the one we just built, right? Like... I want to get into that before we start thinking about building. So what that would mean would be if we were, if God were to bless and we were able to grow spontaneous expansion, we would be sending people out. 
what would be our church planning strategy? Well, our church planning strategy would be you, and there's four parts to you. The first part of a church planning strategy at OCBC would be for you to be connected. I want to speak right now, I'm speaking to each and every single one of you who names yourself as a brother and sister, a follower of Jesus Christ. I would hope that you would be connected uh, to us as your, you guys already are. I already see you guys as our church family. And I would hope that you would come along and wish to be connected to the movement of the Holy Spirit uh, that Jesus is doing here and come alongside of us. And even if you don't find that here, I would pray for you that you would find a church in the city that you'd be connected to. But be connected. What that means is if you're not baptized yet as a believer, but you know Jesus Christ, you know that you are a sinner before a holy and righteous God, you know that you need a Savior, and you believe that God has provided for you a Savior in Jesus Christ who died for your sin and rose again for your victory, that he is sitting at the right hand of God, he has already been given authority of the nations, and someday he will return and come again to judge the living and the dead, and you say, I believe that, then first be connected and be baptized. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Be welcomed into the family of God as a professing follower of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet, come and see me today after service. Okay? Be connected. Second way to be connected, become a member of a church. If you're here today, become a member of this church. Be connected. Why, why, would, why do we do membership? Well, you look in the book of Acts, they see that along the way they numbered those who were part of the movement. Right? 2,000 came, 2,000 on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 after that. They're numbering, and the reason why they're numbering is they need to know who is part of this movement. And so they, they, they gather into the church. This is not an, individual, uh, it's not an individualistic movement. As they're going out, the believers are scattering, but they're then gathered and reconnected back into the church. It's helpful for you to be baptized. It's helpful for you to become a member so that we can get to know you. There are times when Simons come into our church. Like there have been times where, as I've gotten to know some people who've been attending for weeks or months, that I realize they've come from a different church and they've actually come in here to try to infiltrate with false teachings. That has happened. And so it is safe for us to get to know our members, to get to know our sheep, so that we get to know one another and so that we can know that we will be preserved in unity and in the mindset and in the mission of God. So in our membership course, we do five things, and we just basically go over core beliefs and core understandings of the church. If this is your church home, we would more than welcome you, and I would encourage you to become a member of the church. For that extra, that extra, um, just that extra step of binding ourselves to one another, of knowing who one another is, of having accountability and oversight as you go out in mission. Second, be active. Be active. There's a number of ways to be active in our church. We, from time to time, we will do a ministry fair. We will put needs in front of you. We have connect groups that. Uh, we'll be doing over the next couple weeks, we'll be reinstituting, uh, having a connect group lunch in a couple weeks or a, a way that you can know what sort of groups are happening at the church. You can be active in those groups so people get to know you so you're contributing to the body. You can be serving in 
uh, new ministries like welcome ministries. You could be serving in outreach. Uh, ways that you can, ways that you can connect in ministry because it's as you be active in ministry that you actually get a sense of the Holy Spirit moving in and through you. There's a number of ways to be connected in mini- or to be active in ministry. Number one, over these next months, we need a lot of people just to help with a lot of stuff. That's just to be honest. We're going to need some people to pack and to move and unpack and all that type of stuff. But I do really want to encourage you guys, each one of your connect groups, I want you to be thinking over the next couple months ways that over the summer you can add an outreach component to your connect group. In the winter, I understand. Nobody wants to do anything in the winter because we live in Canada and it's terrible. Summer and fall are great opportunities to start thinking of your neighbors. Summers and fall are great opportunities for you as a connect group to get together, have a barbecue, invite your non-churched friends in. Summers and fall are great opportunities to do different things to meet your neighbors and your coworkers and your classmates. And so I want you to think in each one of your connect groups, how can we reach out this summer and fall? Third, um, we're just going to be starting tomorrow night. I've got a couple of you guys going to be coming over, and we're going to be starting an outreach team not necessarily to do the outreach work, but we will be, but also to pray and to plan and to see and to listen to what opportunities the Holy Spirit's putting in front of our church and how we as a church can use this opportunity of us moving into a new neighborhood particularly to be reaching into our communities around us, to be inviting friends to hear the message of Christ. Third, oh no, sorry, that was, go back there, Zella, you were ahead of us. Third, be discipled. Uh, this, at OCBC, the idea in our English congregation would be to do a lot of this discipleship through our adult discipleship time before Sunday school, or before, before service here, the time we sometimes call Sunday school. Some of this will happen in connect groups, but connect groups are not necessarily, some of them are in-depth Bible studies, but they're not, they're not ordered, they're not ordered, it's not an ordered approach to discipleship. We want to offer that to you guys. We have that for you guys through our Sunday discipleship time. In the past, we would often have 30, 40, 50 of you in those during that time being discipled and raised up together. Right now, over the last year, I don't know what's happened. We went from like 40 that would come out every weekend to about five. And I don't know if it's because, I don't know. We want to get back to what we did before. So we are going to be, particularly as we are moving into the new church, and I know it's 9.30, I'm tired, and we don't have heat, and a lot of the rooms are cold, and we don't have cramped space. I, I, I want to implore you guys. Like, it's through that, those discipleship times where, where we actually come together and read and study the word of God together. And in our church, our English congregation, it's through those times where we can be one-minded in knowing and, and, and growing together in the things of the Lord. So if you haven't been, I would encourage you to come back out to those. We're not next weekend because it's Easter, but in two weeks, come back out. And, and at least I would say this, it, we, we have been going through a really transitional year. In the fall, I would love to see these coming up full bore again. Okay, we want to be committed to, making every, to doing everything we can so that every member becomes and is mature in Christ. And our time that we can do that is during that time. As we, the church, can... Now, we do that. We, we do discipleship all the time in our church, and it can take on very different forms. It can be informal, and it can be through... But this is a formal time of actually studying the principles of the faith together. That's what the purpose of that hour is. 
So I would implore you and encourage you to guys to, to come back if you haven't been for a while. And fourth, uh, be equipped. Uh, be equipped. We are, we are committing ourselves to be, uh, to be raising up leaders who can handle, um, handle the word of God at deeper levels. And so we have leadership courses. We have two going on right now. And in the fall, we're going to be having another. And then we're going to be offering them regularly in the fall and in the winter. And that will be for those of you guys who will be wishing to be leading ministries or to be sending out as missionaries or to be raised up in the church as leaders for the church. And so that is what we are, that's what we are committing as the church, as, and that's what I'm committing as a pastor, to raise you all up so that when the Holy Spirit sends us out and scatters us, that we are equipped to meet the, meet the needs of the mission in front of us that God's put there. Okay? So that is the spontaneous expansion of the church in Acts chapter 8. We need to watch out and take care of Simons in our midst, but we need to go and equip all of you guys to go out and see every opportunity in front of you is as the providential working of the Holy Spirit in raising you guys up to be part of revival in our city. We for a long time have been lazy, fat cats in North America where, where we just, we're just content to come to church. We're just content to, to, to let the pastor speak. We're just content. I know, I, yeah, even myself, I'm just content to speak on Sundays. and We're just content to be where we're at. If God is truly going to move us out into the nation, really move us out above the wall, like he has given us everything that we need to be part of great revival in the city. Let's pray for that. 